Good morning. Welcome to worship. Our Holy Gospel this Sunday is on the 12th chapter of Luke, beginning at verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to myself, You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. The Gospel of our Lord. Again, I invite you to join me as we join together in praying this Holy Spirit prayer in our time of meditation together this morning. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit, who instructs the hearts of the faithful, Granted by that same Holy Spirit, we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in your consolations. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Usually when I'm preparing a sermon, one of the things that I always kind of think about is that these sermons are as much for me as they are for you. So in a certain sense, I'm preaching to myself as well. And today's one of those sermons where I really feel like I'm preaching to myself. So if it feels like I'm preaching to myself then you're just going to have to hear it for how it's preaching to you. <laughs> Something that I think, uh, it, it's kind of an aside note. One of the things that I find kind of interesting is that Jesus was not financially rich, was he? As far as we know, Jesus really didn't have money at all. As a matter of fact, Jesus and his disciples, they lived, they lived off of the generosity of the day-to-day uh, offerings of people who provided places for them to stay, provided food for them to eat. They live very much of a nomadic lifestyle. And now as we're into this travel narrative of Jesus going to Jerusalem, that is even more so true in this time of his ministry. I think in a certain sense we could say that Jesus and his disciples were homeless in a certain sense. They relied upon the generosity trusting in God and in the graciousness of others to simply survive from day to day. That's just kind of a little side note. I I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I also thought, you know, now I understand that Jesus was also a person that people looked upon to be a person with some special gifts and some special talents and some knowledge and some wisdom and an understanding of God that most people didn't have. But in a certain sense, Still, the reality is when you looked at him in, in just him as a person, he, he looked like he was a homeless person. And I find it kind of interesting that uh, this, this, this man would come up to Jesus and ask a virtual homeless person to be the uh, arbitrator of his uh, you know, in estate and inheritance between him and his brother. 
Um, just kind of an interesting little dynamic there. One of the things that I found very helpful this week was our men's fellowship that we have here on Tuesday mornings. This, this time of year, we're small, but we are mighty. <laughs> yes, we, uh, we don't gather a large group on Tuesday mornings in the summertime. Um, but uh, I, I think that even adds to the dynamic of our abilities to just simply even be more open with one another because we know each other so well at this point. But that's not to say that we aren't open to having other people come and join us on Tuesday mornings at 9 o'clock in the library over in the parish center. So please feel free, free to do so. But we pretty much came to an agreement this week that this parable and this encounter with Jesus, that it was all about this ultimate question. And I think the ultimate question that we came to agree upon as a group in the men's fellowship is that what are the things in life that matter most? You know, we got this guy who has this bumper crop and he decides that he's just going to, you know, store it all up for himself. You know, it's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. I'm not thinking about anybody else but myself. But I think one of the things that we discovered in our men's fellowship is that this is really about what really matters in life, and it's all about we. That the me should be we. And I think that's that tension that you and I live in every day of our lives. That that me, that me part of us, that voice, that me voice keeps saying, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that, I want to do this for myself, and I want to do this. And yet, the gospel and the, the message of Jesus is, is that we're to be about we, about us. The question is, how do our lives reflect being rich towards God? How do our lives reflect being rich towards God? How does our lives reflect our response to God's love for us? An author that many of you are familiar with is an author by the name of Max Licato. If you haven't read some of his books, I highly recommend that you do. And I, I'd like to just share a little something that he shares about this whole idea of the, what we're supposed to be about. He says, our lives are like the moon. He asks, what does the moon do? The moon generates no light apart from itself. The moon is nothing more than a pitch-black, pock-marked rock. But properly positioned, the moon literally beams. The moon reflects a greater light. And I think that's the question, is that that greater light of God's light beaming upon us. How do our lives, how do our lives reflect being rich towards God. I like what David Lose, he's another one of my favorite pastors and theologians that I turn to often. I love his writings. He said this, only as we recognize that the gifts of ultimate worth, and he says that the gifts of ultimate worth, only when we recognize those gifts of ultimate worth, which are dignity, meaning, and relationships. And that those three, that they are offered freely to us by God. The one thing that God offers to us every single day is God offers to us dignity, meaning, and a sense of being in relationship, a sense of belonging. It's only when we recognize those gifts that we can place our relative 
wealth and our gifts into perspective to be generous with them towards others. And so I have a question for you and I have a question for me. How much does it cost us? How much does it cost us to extend or provide a space or an opportunity where another person can feel a sense of dignity, a sense of meaning, or a sense of belonging? How much does it cost us to provide or extend and have a space where that can happen? When we look at the life of Jesus and we see the ways in which Jesus engaged with people, what did Jesus give to people? He gave to them those very things, those gifts offered freely by God. Jesus gave to those people that he encountered every day of his life. He gave them dignity. He gave them meaning. He gave them a sense of belonging, a, part of, a sense of being a part of something meaningful. I visited a member of our church family this week. She has not been back to church here since covid since the pandemic started. And her life has not been an easy life. She lives on a very limited amount of income. And when I mean limited amount of income, she lives on less than $1,000 a month. What kind of a world do we live in in the United States of America where we expect or think that people can live off of less than a thousand dollars a month we are the richest nation in the world and yet we have people out there who are living off of less than a thousand dollars a month are they living or are they existing and she's dealing with a variety of health issues and even the basic daily tasks of housekeeping washing laundry sweeping floors and even cooking food is a challenge for her my sense is, is that it was a good thing for her to have a visit with me and to simply have the chance to, I think it just really felt good for her to just unload. You know, she just needed to unload some of the burdens from her mind. And I'd like to believe that my visit with her gave her a sense of dignity, gave her a sense of still being a part of something that gives her a sense of belonging. Even though I'm sure, I'm absolutely sure, she is quite sad and very unhappy that her family has completely abandoned her. So I ask myself, how much does it cost me? How much does it cost me to just simply extend or to provide a place or an opportunity where another person can feel a sense of dignity and meaning or a sense of belonging. All it took was me to go to her house and sit with her. Did that cost me anything? What does it cost us to live lives that are rich towards God? I spoke with another member of our congregation this week who's also been away since COVID and has yet to return. Now his story is a little bit different, a little bit more bright, He's been blessed over the last three months to have two of his great-grandchildren with him. <gasps> Sounds exhausting. <laughs> three months of great-grandchildren. I'm still going. <laughs> and yet, you know what? It's giving him and it's giving his life a sense of fulfillment and purpose. He's making memories, isn't he? 
probably passing on some valuable life lessons to his great-grandchildren in those three months. But he also said, and he also told me, that he misses his faith family. But he was grateful that I took the time to touch base, to check in, to let him know that he is still part of a community that gives him a sense of meaning and a sense of belonging. Some of you, perhaps, who electronically get the Olive Branch newsletter, some of you perhaps have already uh, received it because I believe it was sent out on Friday. And I would imagine that some of you have already done the due diligence of reading it. But I'm going to quote for you a couple of the things that I quoted in my little pastoral letter in the newsletter this month. I want to quote this author, Cole Arthur Riley, where she spoke about, in one of her chapters, she spoke about the sense of belonging in a book that she has entitled, This Here Flesh. And this is one of the things that she wrote. She said that Diedrich Bonhoeffer writes that in Christian community, and most of us know who Diedrich Bonhoeffer is, he was a pastor, a German pastor, theologian, during World War II, who was imprisoned by the Nazis and ultimately killed by the Nazis. He says, in Christian community, everything depends upon whether each individual is an indispensable link in a chain. You know, that's the one thing about us pastors, you know. We, we, we talk and we say all these idyllic, you know, things, these wonderful theological statements, don't we, that somehow never seem to come to fulfillment. But we keep on trying. We keep on trying to say the things that we think that people need to hear. And this is one of the things that Diedrich Bonhoeffer seemed to think that we needed to hear about what it means to be in community together. He says, in Christian community, everything depends upon whether each individual is indispensable link in the chain. Only when even the smallest link is securely interlocked is the chain unbreakable. A community that allows unemployed members to exist within it will perish, he says. Now that's kind of an interesting statement, but this author by the name of Cole, her last name's Cole, she actually interjects and she says, When he uses the word unemployed, she says, I don't believe that Bonhoeffer is talking about employment in the economic sense of the word, but rather what he's talking about is that a person in a congregation who's unemployed is someone who is not being fostered with purpose. Have you ever thought about that before? That as an unemployed Christian, if you are not feeling as though you have a sense of purpose within the context of a community, then you are unemployed. That's what she's saying that Dietrich Bonhoeffer is trying to say. And that it's our job as the community of faith is that we are to continually think about those, those less... What she, how does he small, even the smallest link in our church needs to be considered indispensable. That that woman that I visited with who still does, has trying to struggle with life, she is an indispensable part of our community, of this faith community. She goes on, she says, he meant that every part of a community, she says that every part of a community would have agency to affect the whole. Now that's an interesting concept. An agency to 
affect the whole. Now, if you understand what the word agency means, and it's, it's, it's one of those tricky words because agency can mean many things. It can serve as a noun, but it can also serve as a verb. And she says, if each part of the community would have agency to affect the whole, that means that this agency, that it, it actually has the ability to influence. That's what she's really trying to say there. He meant that each part of a community would have the influence to affect the whole. In whatever way that may be, that the community's survival would depend upon each link. And then she further goes on, she says, Belonging is both a gift that is received, but it is also a gift that is given. Belonging is both a gift that's received, but it's also a gift that is given. She says, There is comfort in being welcomed, but there is also dignity in knowing that your arrival just shifted a group towards deeper wholeness. Did you think about that today? Did you think about the fact that when you walked into this sanctuary, into this holy space, along with all of your other brothers and sisters in Christ, that you have now made it possible for you to have a sense of purpose, that you belong to something that's bigger and greater than yourself, and that you are part of a, 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 a big, big, deeper sense of wholeness because of your very presence here today? Or did it, ever, did it occur to me that perhaps maybe by me going out or you going out or you going out and visiting somebody in their home and just taking the time to have some conversation with them and give them a sense of dignity, a sense of purpose, a sense of belonging, that somehow you being out there with them has connect, connected to them, uh, making them a part of being part of something bigger than yourself? How much does it cost us? How much does it cost us to extend or provide a space or an opportunity where another person can feel a sense of dignity, a sense of meaning, a sense of belonging? Is that what it means to be rich towards God? One of the questions that I asked in the newsletter article is, what might our faith community here at Mount Olive look and feel like if we each, each of us took on that perspective and that attitude that we that every one of us, every one of us is insufficient without the other. Wow! This place would be busting at the seams. We'd have this place filled every single Sunday morning, wouldn't we? Because if we all took on the attitude that we were insufficient without the other, then we would feel as though it would be a wonderful thing for us to all be here together. And so I leave you with a few questions. Might we find meaningful ways to stay connected with one another? Might we find ways to stay connected with one another? That's not to say that we aren't always doing that. We're doing that all the time. I can't tell you how many times I have people tell me about the fact that they've been over to see so-and-so or they've called that so-and-so and they've had kind of, and they're touching base. You're doing it already. But that's something that, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. It, it's, it's a continual process Consider this, that your being here or that your presence in another person's life who's not able to be here helps affect our sense of being whole. Consider this, that your being here or your presence in another person's life that is not able to be here helps to foster a sense of purpose in life for you and for that person that you are with. How much does it cost us? How much does it cost us to extend or provide a space or an opportunity where another person can feel a sense of dignity, meaning, and a sense of belonging? 
When we look at the life of Jesus and see the ways in which he engaged people, Jesus gave to people those very things. He gave to them those things that are offered to us freely by God every day. A sense of dignity, a sense of meaning, and a sense of being a part of something. A sense of belonging. Lots of questions, lots of things for us to think about. And ultimately the question is, what does it mean to be rich towards God? Amen. I invite you to join me now as we pray together the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.